Amazon letting go. The ability to inwardly, which is essential to spiritual growth. It is a factor to growth in many ways, in coming in being able to form, in coming to inner we experience because recognize that because level we experience the effects of grasping we reflect in our lives where we see limitations in our lives in various we find hope We find clinging to objects, to people. We find ourselves clinging to views and opinions. <laughs> past and our expectations of the present and the future. Those at times in our lives <laughs> effects of this clinging and grasping experience as pain, pressure on our minds, in our hearts, which is painful. Instead of clinging, we experience the pain of separation, pain of loss. Experience the pain of alienation, defensiveness and aggressiveness are painful roots in clinging and holding on to things either outwardly or inwardly. Because of clinging experiences of we also find the pain that is to learn on an experiential level level that pain it seems difficult at times to the actuality within us wherever we are holding on to things grasping hold of things then that holding and grasping is also accompanied by fear by fear of loss, by fear of separation. Fear exhibits itself so frequently in our lives in the form of anger, in the form of conflict. What lesson to integrate level? Because our vision of who we are 
because our vision of ourselves as a person is so frequently all of those things that we cling to outwardly and inwardly that we do gain a sense of identity through identification through clinging so gain some sense no matter how of security and as long as we are divorced or alienated inwardly from understanding ourselves on an intuitive then we will find ourselves clinging to objects to opinions to gain ourselves as a person as long as we are alienated from inner vision of stability and of freedom we find ourselves clinging to us with the stability with the balance that we feel lacking or missing within ourselves in life no matter how much we have in gaining, no matter how secure our worlds that there is no freedom in that security. Fulfillment in the happiness. Our sense of security, as long as it is based is extraordinarily and as long as there is clinging to things for our identity for our stability there is also in that constantly clinging to things for a sense of identity of limitation and awareness. As long as we're, our sense of identity is dependent upon having, upon gaining, upon possessing, then there is also always the fear of being alone, the fear of losing, Fear of being alienated perpetuates our desire to hold on to things. The destructiveness of fear, mission of the To look inwardly, to look within ourselves, to look within which is not characterized by fear, but whether it is there isn't in which there is no for identity, 
upon clinging, upon clinging. One sees practice, spiritual paths are ones that repeatedly emphasize and emphasize an emphasis which coincides with our own experience more clearly, more observe ourselves inwardly more intimately the effects of clinging to things the effects when we see these mental states are constructed out of dwelling out of clinging to things. Look inwardly, we can see visions of ourselves on the basis of and we also satisfactoriness of that limitation. When we see the Our meditation practice then become one which is focused on images and projections of consciousness as we see them, endeavoring to let go of them. And the whole of one's practice, the whole of one's meditation practice, become a process of seeing things arise, of them, which often involves some struggle, some hard work, and then moving on to the next to repeat exactly the same process again. To oneself, to one's practice, to life, then, can become one which is focused upon letting go. It is a letting go which can become tinged with an anxiety. It is a practice which can be tinged with anxiety at times even of desperation. As it can seem that there is such an incredible amount to let go of. It can seem that there is an anxiety of things that need to be let go of. And no matter how much we do let go of, it seems to op only open the door for something more to arrive needs to be let go of. In that focus, meditation practice struggle. It can be an experience of a kind of inner struggle, and, uh, an inner at times anxious, which is at times intense. In that focus upon constantly letting go of things, meditation practice can also become extraordinarily busy. It can become characterized by a kind of busyness in which there is no stillness, no peace, 
No. Simply being. Simply because there is so much to be involved in. So much to be worked. So much to be let go of. Meditation often becomes intense because we recognize the need to let go. And yet that letting go in itself is And it is a struggle to let go of things, frequently because there are two forces or two opposites within ourselves. Certainly I desire to cling to things, I desire to hold on to things, I hold of things for a sense of identity arises out of certain needs, certain insecurities, certain fears within ourselves. And it's because of those anxieties and fears that the tendency to cling to things arises. And yet that tendency to cling to things then meets with our intention and our tendency to cling to things and our need to cling to things for a sense of identity, our willingness to let go of things despite the demands or the intentions that the mind makes to let go. In that struggle, there is often intensity, there is often tension, but there is most. That struggle is one which can lead to disillusionment with ourselves, failure, it can lead also to a sense of regression. It seems that meditation practice does in some part or at some part of the practice become goal-oriented. Certainly spirituality and meditation practice emphasize a vision of freedom, a vision of liberation, a vision in which there is the end of When we look within ourselves at the actuality of ourselves, we may perceive opposites of that vision. We may perceive ourselves as being we may perceive clinging and grasping taking place within the mind. We may perceive a consciousness which seems to be filled with problems and in which there is real little sense of the freedom that is spoken about in meditation and spirituality. And then the means to realize that freedom one sees in that duality and that that there must be some means, some way adopted in order to bridge the gap between the actuality which may and the goal or the vision towards, we are towards which we are directing ourselves. Which is directed and adopted in order to realize that goal is the path of letting go. And letting go is then often adopted as the focus of one's own practice. It is an adoption, it certainly has its benefits, 
we recognize its needs, but it is an adoption which can also become obsessive. And adopt the need to let go and make it into a view, make it into an attitude, an approach to ourselves, to our practice, to the world. And in adopting the need to let go as an attitude, it becomes limiting. The need to let go in itself, at times in meditation, is a problem in itself, simply because of the preoccupation with it, which limits the vision of ourselves and our practice. Any view, any opinion, any attitude which is adopted can become habitual. And if it becomes it creates narrowness and it creates limitation. And that includes letting go if it becomes a preoccupation. When we are focused upon in meditation practice, and when that is the primary focus of our practice, then we are also focused constantly on outer objects in the form of things, people, relationships, circumstances, inner objects of thoughts, feelings, memories, plans. But certainly when there is a view and the attitude of letting go, we are always focused upon something. And in always being focused upon something, meditation becomes very object-centered. When it becomes object-centered, when meditation is object-centered, it also frequently becomes problem-centered. Because obviously what we are thinking of are the qualities within ourselves, the experiences within ourselves, within ourselves which we judge to be a hindrance, to be an obstacle, a problem. Obviously, the things that we focus upon letting go of, we see the because in some way we perceive of them as being a problem and as being a limitation. And we perceive of limitation because of certain values, certain judgments that are made upon them. Obviously, we practice and focus upon letting go of the things which we feel to be meaningful and significant and valuable within our lives. We don't sit there and see loving kindness and compassion arise and say, well, I must let go of that. We don't sit and see spacious well, I must let go of that one too. Now that one isn't helpful to my practice, that quality I have to let go of. Letting go is primarily focused upon things that we feel to be a hindrance. When practice becomes object-centered, and in that also becomes problem-centered, it's of becoming problem-centered, it almost sim seems to stimulate more to arise within ourselves that needs to be let go of. 
When we <laughs> upon problems or things that we value and <laughs> hindrances and obstacles, then repeatedly we find <laughs> things. And it is that focus in meditation practice when it becomes problem-centered which often gives rise to a great deal a great deal of intensity in which there is little joy there is little spaciousness in which meditation practice can become really quite miserable an intensity in which it's felt well this is such a difficult path it's such a long path because I have so much to work out I have so there's so much to let go of and every sitting then becomes a sitting and a little adventure in a nightmare. It is an emphasis, a view of the world and a view of ourselves. We can come to see ourselves in the light of being a person who is filled and overflowing with impurities and hindrances and obstacles and problems and issues. If we become immersed in that view, it also tends to color our view of the world, in which we see the world as a malevolent type of force, some kind of enemy, which is always out to ensnare us in its to ensnare us with its possible enticements and objects and possessions. In that view also of judging what is taking place problem-centered, there also arises in that our notions of progress and our notions of which come then to be dependent upon how much arises within ourselves. And if a great <laughs> regressing, if there's not so much arising within ourselves, we feel ourselves to be progressing. It seems that the focusing upon objects and upon increases the intensity and awareness of objects and problems. That consistent and repeated has the power to magnify them, has the power to magnify their problematic nature, magnify their power. The problems and the objects become their power to hinder us, to obstruct us, because through the repeatedly the consciousness becomes narrowed and it becomes constricted. The more that you emphasize and repeatedly dwell upon something is the degree that your consciousness becomes narrowed and constricted around it. As the consciousness becomes narrowed and constricted, the problem, the issue, also then grows in significance, grows in its charge, in its identity as a problem, as a hindrance.
the power to make problems grow is given to objects. The power which is given to problems which makes them seem problematic is the power that comes through our judgments, is the power that comes through the value. It becomes difficult then to let we see problems arising, we see issues arising, we see thoughts arising, we see mental states repeatedly arising. Let go of them. And it is difficult to let go of them because you cannot separate the problem and the object that arises from the mind that holds it. You can't separate the thought from the thinker who is trying to let go of them. You can't separate the problem from the experiencer of the problem who is trying to let go of it. You can't from a judgment and from the judger who is it. You can't separate the projection from the projector. We can be so intent on the objects and on the problems and the issues that we don't always see that it is the problem, that it is not even the problem that is the problem, that rather it is the consciousness which is holding those objects and those problems which needs attention, which needs development, which needs care and which needs nurturing. The problem will have only as long as the consciousness is constricted. The hindrance will be a hindrance only as long as the consciousness is narrowed and limited. Awareness is a quality of consciousness can allow things to be through its fundamental receptivity. Awareness is a quality of consciousness in which there is no charging of likes and dislikes, in which there is no of judgments with any kind of intention, with even the need to let go of them. Awareness is a quality of total receptivity. And the difference between the practice of letting go is the difference between seeing and doing. The difference between awareness is the difference between being and activity. If there is seeing, seeing of receptivity, of spaciousness, of openness, which is awareness, letting go takes place without any kind of struggle, without any kind of intensity. Because that seeing is characterized by the spaciousness, by the balance, which power in anything. When letting go focus of meditation practice, we also become focused upon doing, we become focused upon 
we become focused essentially upon the presence of things. And when we are focused on things, there is often the feeling that we must do something with what arises. We must change what arises, we must modify it, we must alter it, we must observe it, we must label it. But we must do something with it. And that doing, that modification, that alteration, is often seen as being the means to realize the goal of freedom, of attachment, of freedom from clinging. And yet, if it's an actual that we can't, we can become habitual in the role of the doer. Feel the necessity to take action as a response or as a reaction to anything that arises. Do we see agitation arising within ourselves? We may find ourselves immediately looking through our formulas to find to get rid of it, to change it, to alter it in order to come to quietness. If we see mental state, then we may again look within our our logbooks of techniques to find the ways in which to resolve them, to modify them. If we find thoughts arising, feelings arising, we may employ yet another technique to label them in order to observe them. employ yet another technique in order to observe them. And that doing, that constant state, can come out of the most wholesome of intentions to be aware, to be clear about what is taking place. And yet, that constant involvement in activity another means of staining can also be just another means of controlling the kind of world we experience. 
trying to create a particular kind of mental world which conforms to our models, to our desires, expectations. Trying to create a meditation experience or an experience within conforms to our ideas of what should be taking place. The meditator is of I. Certainly the doer, the one who is always involved in activity and modification, is another form of I which again may seek to preserve its identity through manipulation and through control. That doing and that activity can be interesting and interesting, but it is an activity which limits us to the presence of objects. When meditation does become technique and activity, it also becomes experience-centered. And we find ourselves judging the kind of experience taking place, evaluating the kind of experience that are taking place. And often a is seen as being one in which our activities and our doing has managed to reach in which our desires, our endeavors to modify, to change, to let go of have We may view a good meditation as one in which we've been able to change the restlessness into quietness, the order, the dwelling into non-dwelling. And the meditation, and the meditation is often judged as being unsuccessful or a poor meditation if we are unsuccessful in our endeavor to reach a particular end. If our activities to change, to alter, to modify things our meditation is often judged to be poor and unsuccessful if it doesn't model and to our image of what should be happening. When meditation becomes objectivity, experience-centered, then the focus of meditation also becomes limited to the presence of things, the presence of objects, the presence of thoughts, the presence of feelings. And there can be something wrong if nothing is happening. A feeling that there's something wrong in the meditation, if there isn't something to focus on. To a compulsive doer, the absence of a problem is a real problem. Impulsive doer will welcome the arising of almost anything just to have something to focus on. Whether it's a pain, whether it's a fantasy, whether it's a mental state, but the compulsive doer certainly finds their success having something to work with. And if there's nothing to work with, then the identity of that doer is obviously The 
Being focused upon goals, <laughs> focused upon letting go and the need to let go, can be yet another subtle form of clear. <laughs> A subtlety which is often difficult to see. Being ensnared in doing is a preoccupation which has the power to suffocate stillness. Being in the meditator in the role of the doer is a habitual role which denies awareness of which is receptivity, is actionlessness. focused upon goals in meditation practice. The one connected is the quality of our doing, the quality of our consciousness. And so often doing, the quality of our practice, the quality of our consciousness is then replaced by striving it becomes all important. And I'll tell you a story which illustrates this, and as far-fetched as the story may be, it's true. A friend of mine had a friend who was a taxi driver in New York. The taxi driver got very fed up with the hassles of being a taxi driver. Found himself being very tense, being found himself, found himself being very aggressive. And in the midst of all of that, had this friend who talked to him about spiritual <laughs> potential. And finally, the traumas of the taxi driver came to a kind of crisis point where he felt <laughs> to the east. And he went to a Zen monastery in Japan. And this is no, in not in any way, <laughs> on Zen. In every tradition, we have our limitations and our weaknesses and our failures. Anyway, he went to a Zen uh, monastery in Japan knowing absolutely nothing about meditation. Really nothing. He was taken <laughs> upon a cushion facing a wall and nobody told him what to do. And he just sat there full of his tensions and his chaos and his taxi driver mind that he brought with him. And then this fellow came around and started hitting him with a stick. <laughs> sort of pushed into eating as quickly as he could and stuffing food down, had little sleep, walking and sitting, <laughs> coming to some sort of breaking down point. He felt himself coming to some sort of nervous exhaustion and finally he did. <laughs> and he kind of just freaked out and started crying and sobbing and shouting in the meditation room. And they took him... <laughs> And the Rashi said, <laughs> 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 Wonderful, you've got Satori. <laughs> and this poor fellow had no idea what Satori was. But he was still going through this incredible nervous exhaustion and crying and not knowing <laughs> comfort and reassurance, and nobody was giving it to him. And instead, what they did. They gave him a certificate saying <laughs> that he'd reached Satori. And they brought him, 
I brought her the television station <laughs> to do a documentary on this Westerner's system. <laughs> They, they did this interview with him where he was still standing. <laughs> he left the temple with his certificate. <laughs> In pieces. Still knowing I had no idea what had happened to him. I went to another temple. <laughs> still is searching for comfort and reassurance that he wasn't totally going mad. And again, the Zen master, and he presented the Zen master with his certificate. <laughs> and, and the Zen master said to him, there's no such thing as Satori. <laughs> <laughs> and he went back to New York. <laughs> and went back to driving taxis. <laughs> Feeling that it was much safer <laughs> than meditation. <laughs> anyway. Here, practice can certainly be sacrificed when. Goals are the major preoccupation. The when we are on the presence of objects, just on seeing things, just focused upon, we often don't appreciate the significance of the consciousness in which there is absence no arising, in which there is no object, in which there is no thought arising. The factor which leads to true development in meditation is giving to the quality of one's practice. The factor which leads to the development of true awareness is attention and sensitivity to the quality of consciousness. The factor which leads to a life of meditation is giving care and attention to the quality of our lives. The factor standing and living with the end of conflict, the end of is also one of understanding the quality of consciousness in which they are absent. Sometimes the goal becomes so all-important the quality of the means, the quality of the path is neglected and the means as having significance as only in being a way in which to reach the goal. And in that, the means become separated from the end. In order to come to quietness, to spaciousness, to balance within ourselves.
And yet it's a reaction to noise, as a reaction to agitation. Then that reaction it carries with it tension. Our reactions carry with them tension. And then the breath to get rid of things. It's used as a means to try and quiet the mind. And it is used with tension. And certainly, this can be achieved, but certainly not the serenity and the spaciousness which comes and attention to the quality of breathing. If we can breathe just with surrendering to being totally with that breath, to being totally sensitive to it, to experience of just that one breath, then there is quality in the practice. There is in the very way of practicing, there is spaciousness, there is sensitivity, there is balance. And not separate from the means. The breathing is not a means to something else. It is a total We make a goal out of awareness and often project awareness as kind of a state of the future and then adopt all manner of means in order to be aware, in order to come to awareness means which often invo involve striving, means which often involve judgment. That judgment which involves our notions of progress and regression, a path which involves our images and those images and those models and those judgments keep us so occupied and so busy and then we may we are not still why we are not aware. Peace is seen as something to be gained. We may seek to find peace to making ourselves more perfect, to becoming more of one without that peace is the capacity to be with what is without prejudice. And that if we're going to experience practice in the way of peace. And certainly peace is the capacity to see without the preoccupation of or of gaining anything. Stillness. Inner stillness is a receptivity of non-preoccupation, of non-involvement in either pursuit or rejection. Inner stillness is a quality of being totally in each moment where we willingly just be with the totality and want nothing more than to be totally in to us. In the non-involvement and pursuit in getting or getting rid of anything, there is peace, there is being. We look for peace as a result of some kind of practice. 
But peace is not the result. Peace is a way of practicing. A way of practicing in which there is sensitivity, graciousness, in which there is acceptance, in which there is gentleness. In that way of practicing struggle, neither is there judgment. And then letting go isn't a problem because charged with our judgments, with our evaluations, with our likes and our dislikes. What is isn't our images of what should be taking place. in practice and often in that seeking find ourselves struggling with our bondages see freedom gained at the end of that struggle and we often see bondage as being a kind of abiding state of existence and at some point we're going to transcend, transcend that state and move to another one and yet we don't become free freedom is not a state that we can gain. It's not a result of achievement. It's not struggle. Freedom is a way of seeing and a way of being. It's a way of clarity and the insight to see the illusion of bondage. It's a way of seeing and a way of being which also has its foundation on knowing within ourselves a trust, serenity, a fulfillment, a trust in our insight and clarity, which makes letting go fall away, fall away very spontaneously. And certainly bondage is a moment-to-moment experience when there is grasping, when the need for that grasping is understood, when that need for grasping and fear is no longer a driving force in our lives, then bondage is also not an abiding state of existence. We seek for the end of conflict, for the end of pain, for the end of suffering, and often see that as being a state of being that is some kind of prize that will come at the end of much struggle. And yet, surely all of us in our lives have experienced times, deep, when there is no conflict, when there is no suffering, when there is no pain. And are those results of struggle? Are those experiences the results of intensity? Or is not experiences the consciousness which is undistorted? Consciousness which is sensitive and appreciative, consciousness which is clear and free from filters and models and images, and in that embrace totally the totality of each moment without separation, without division. There's a place. practice. There's a place for understanding. Certainly if we wish to, then we must live in accord with peace.
We must practice in peace. We must see with peace. See the end of conflict, then we need to see it in each moment to see where we create limitations, views through attitudes, to see where we create a kind of inner world in which joy and absence of spaciousness because of our struggles, because of intensity. When it is needed, comes as an inner expression of understanding and not as a struggle or a rejection of anything. So that there is within ourselves and our practice and completeness and wholeness in each moment. from conflict. May our beings live with understanding. May our beings abide in awareness. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.